By Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Visit DairyLaneDental.com. You're listening to The Riding Report with your host, Jeff Carter. And welcome to The Riding Report. I'm Jeff Carter, and I'm pleased to have with me, it's been a while, Norm Miller, our MPP for Perry Sound Muskoka, and joining us as well, Melody Graves, who uh, is um, an intern and uh, is, I guess, shadowing Mr. Miller on uh, all part of his uh, duties here at uh, being an MPP for Perry Sound Muskoka. Welcome, Norm. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for having us in, and uh, no, Melody's being a huge help as part of my office, and I'm really lucky to have an Ontario legislative intern, as as I was saying just before starting, the group of 10 interns actually pick who they want to work for. So I have to do my best to sell them that it would be a good job, good idea to work for for me. So I'm really happy to have Melody and she's been really helpful in Mm -hmm. in the office so far. So she follows you around what you're doing in the constituency and then goes to the legislature when you're on site there. Primarily, she's at Queen's Park. But Mm -hmm. part of what we said was on Constit Week, which we're in right now, that we try to Make give the experience of uh, seeing a bit of the riding. Uh, I did bribe her with a plane flight as well in the interview, saying whoever picks me, I, I'll take them for a seaplane ride. So that happened on Monday of this week, <laughs> flying her out of uh, out of Georgian Bay and around for an hour. Um, but yeah, the part of the experience is seeing being in the constituency, seeing the constituency, seeing being in the offices to see what sort of issues there are there. And and uh, but her most of her time's been at my Queen's Park office. Well, Melody, let's talk a little bit to you about why. First off, you wanted to be an intern, and what experience you've gained from that, and you know what you want to do with that experience in the future. Sure. Um, So first of all, the Ontario Legislature Internship Program is an extremely unique program. There's almost nothing like it that you can find in the province. Um, Essentially, interns have to be nonpartisan the entire time. So we are politically neutral. And that gives us a really well-rounded experience. We get to work with both the government and the opposition. um, And it gives us access like almost no other program. So for me, as I was coming out of my master's trying to figure out what I wanted to do, I had some experience with a couple of different community organizations. And in those roles, I got a sense of the way that policies and programs impact municipalities and the really important organizations that exist within them. And so then I wanted to gain a bit of a better perspective of how things work on the other side and wanted to get a bit more political experience. So this internship really appealed to me as somebody who wanted to get this firsthand in-depth experience. Um, And so working alongside MPPs and current leaders in, in the field has been a really great experience for that. So hopefully I can continue on in politics and continue to learn a lot more from... So you're looking for a job in politics down the road, or that's certainly Um, an opportunity that you you might pursue? Potentially. Mm -hmm. This program makes me rethink my future career about once a week. Um, As part of the program, it's great because we get to meet a lot of different interesting people working in the province, um, people in the public sector, in the private sector working in different organizations and it gives you a look into some of the potential careers that may lie after the program so there's a lot to decide right. with a lot, yeah. a lot to think about right? yeah now is this 
the first part of the internship or have you spent some time already with the opposition? Uh, I haven't gone to the opposition yet. That will come about mid-January and mm-hmm. I'll spend another three or so months there. Um, the program starts in September. So we spent a month in orientation and then dove right into our first placements. And that's how I've ended up with uh, with Norm for the last month. Mm-hmm. Now, um, is are, are all of the interns currently working with just the government or and will they all move over and work with just the opposition or as i'll say if there's 10 of you five of you are with the opposition now and you know five are with the government um it's a bit of a mix right now so there's a few of us that are with uh the pc party right now and then some of us are in opposition and then whichever one you're in you swap in in january so it gives a nice kind of well-rounded perspective to things i'll ask you norm um with somebody who is currently working with the opposition come to you? Uh, uh, no, or, I just... Or could I, be an, any other MP that's not been involved so far. Yeah, someone else. You, you, as an MPP, you typically just get one intern for the year if you're lucky. And as I say, mm-hmm. it's a competitive process. So I, I have been very fortunate over the years. We're, we're going to have to add it up. But I think I've had about 15, yeah. 15 uh, interns over the past 20 years. And the one year I didn't apply, of course, was, there was someone from Perry Sound that was an intern the year I decided not to apply mm-hmm. <laughs> for, for one. But uh, no, you just get, you as an MPP, you get one for half right. uh, half of the their time. Right. So, so you, what, you think it's a plane ride? That, that that helps that well I mean, maybe it helps i'm not sure you'd have to ask you could ask her why she chose me <laughs> all right why did you choose norm uh a number of different factors i mean the plane ride was definitely an appealing experience i had never done anything like that before so that seems like something fun but aside from that um i had grown up in hamilton my whole life did my undergrad and my master's in waterloo i live in toronto now so very much Southern Ontario based. And so getting the opportunity to learn a bit more about a constituency that I didn't have very much experience in prior to the program. Mm -hmm. Um, The constituency has a very interesting geographic makeup, a very interesting population dynamic with the seasonal population as well as the kind of smaller year round population. Um, And it just seemed like a really great experience and an opportunity for me to put myself out of where I know and learn a bit more about the province. Perfect. Now, Norm, can we talk about the most recent news that uh, you announced just, uh, I believe, last week? Sure. Saying that uh, you're not going to be running again. Yes. Um, well, you know, it, it's, it has been 20 years that I've been the MPP and um, in the job. And of course, I knew this going into it, but you're away from home about 100 days a year. And, uh, you know, I, I think in the past year and a half with COVID, I've been home a lot more and it's made me realize that it wouldn't be not such a bad place to be. But also, you know, I, I turned 65 last January and if I ran next year, uh, it would mean I'd be 70 at the end of a term after four years. So it was really just, just time. And I think, uh, I think 20 years at anything, no matter how much you love it or you think it's great, it's from my perspective, I think that's a reasonable time to uh, to look for something different. In my case, I don't really have any great plans other than a lot of things I enjoy doing. And uh, I've got uh, a daughter that lives in England that we hope we haven't seen in the last two years. We're hope, who now has a home there, so we'd like to visit her. I have cousins in New Zealand who, uh, who uh, the last time I was in New Zealand was not the winter of 1979-80. 
and uh, saying my cousin Jenny and David visited about five years ago and they keep saying, when are you coming to visit? <laughs> and if you don't visit soon, we'll be dead. So, <laughs> so that's, I mean, it's a long, it's just a long way. It's the other mm -hmm. side of the world. So hopefully maybe in a year or two, we'll get a month to go visit New Zealand, see my relatives and friends that are there. And, uh, you know, I've basically been working for, I think at least 46 years straight in prior life of running a lodge. And sure. now the last, it will be 21 years as MPP. So it's, uh, just uh, look forward to a bit of time to do some of the things that I haven't had a chance to do mm -hmm. to this point. So looking back on the career, if you had to make a decision, would you do it over again? Yeah, or? absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I recall, I mean, I was involved in politics at a young age, as lots uh -oh. of people are. I started the Muskoka Young PCs. Mm -hmm. And so obviously had an interest. I shared an apartment with my father when he was Minister of Health, et cetera. And mm -hmm. so I, you know, Bill Davis just passed away, of course. I That's think right. I was about 20 when I got to introduce Bill Davis in an election tour in Honey Harbor. And I remember being very nervous about the prospect of talking in a full room of people. Um, so I was obviously quite interested. But uh, my father, towards the end of my father's career, it's not always, it can be a pretty rough business. And I recall thinking at times that why would anybody in the right mind want to be a politician? <laughs> and well, I, I think that now. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it was actually at his funeral in 2000, mm -hmm. when I, you know, which was a very arduous process of thousands of people coming through that, but all those people saying, expressing little and big things that, he had done in the community that made me think, oh, maybe it's not as bad, or I'll give it a shot to see if, if it if it's as bad as I think it's going to be. But and generally, the it's been very positive, the, mm -hmm. the great majority of it. And I don't think there's any job where you can learn more about the community and things going on and people involved in the community uh, than in this job. And I mean, I grew up in Bracebridge. I knew really nothing and knew for virtually no people in Perry Sound. And I can say that that is very different now. I know just about everything going on in, in the Perry Sound district and way more about the greater Muskoka district than I would have possibly, I don't know, possibly have learned any other way. Mm -hmm. So um, continuing to look back, you know, you've had good times, you've had bad times, mostly good. What are some of the, the things that you go, yeah, I did that. Yeah, I mean, things like, first of all, hospital funding that for the past 20 years, almost, especially on the Muskoka side of the writing, almost every year, I would have to go to the Minister of Health and look for a million and a half or $2 million to try to balance the books or so they could make payroll and carry on. And I'm happy to say that both on the Perry Sound side and Muskoka side that they, you know, I think Muskoka Algonquin Healthcare is predicting an $11 million surplus this year and they have a five-year prediction of balanced budget. So healthcare is the biggest provincial expenditure. And I'm really happy that that is in place. You know, on the Prairie South side of the riding, they, when I was first elected, I met Peter Hopkins, the current mayor of McKellar, when he was head of the pool committee, trying to build a pool there. And I think that's what motivated him to become a councillor and then mayor of McKellar. And I'm really happy that they have now, that they received funding, I think the $23 million from the provincial government, but also more importantly, got the seven municipalities to all agree on how they're going to fund the operating costs, et cetera, and it's going ahead. So I, I'm very happy about that. I'm, uh, you know, the airport over Perry Sound, I definitely feel like I played a role in getting them the provincial funding to to extend and widen the runway and rebuild it, which it needed to be done by having the, the premier personally meet with the uh, the board of the, the airport over there. 
Um, you know, when I drive around and see provincial highways with paved shoulders on them, I absolutely feel like I played a role in that as a drive along 124 is being re rebuilt right now. And there's paved shoulders going on it, which 15 years ago, MTO didn't want anything to do with bicycles anywhere near provincial highways. And now it is pr pretty much becoming the norm that they have paved shoulders, which provides safe places for people to, you know, not use a car or get exercise and all the health benefits, et cetera, that that go along with it. And, you know, I'm proud of the, some of the private members bills I passed. I think, uh, uh, you know, most recently the keeping polystyrene out of Ontario's lakes and rivers act, which became law mm -hmm. last year. And, uh, the o occupiers liability amendment act, which should, should make it a little cheaper for our snow operators to get insurance. I think, uh, you know, I, I'm proud of that as well. So, um, yeah, I think I can look around and see things that are concrete that ha have made a difference on and, um, you know, and I'm certainly happy about that. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk with Melody and Norm about uh, what's happening in the future. Your source for community, Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Visit DairyLaneDental.com. You're listening to The Riding Report. And welcome back to The Riding Report. I'm Jeff Carter, and with me I have MPP Norm Miller and uh, an intern that is uh, working with him, Melody Graves. Welcome back. And, you know, uh, before we went to break, we were talking about some of the things that, uh, you know, you're, you're proud to have had a part in. But there's still a lot going on for this government. I mean, we're still, you know, I, I'm going to hopefully say uh, towards the end of a uh, raging pandemic which uh, has uh, caused all sorts of issues uh, economically. We had the uh, fall economic outlook uh, presented uh, in the legislature just a couple of weeks ago. And what do you think the government has to do to sort of get back to normal? Yeah, I think the fall economic statement was about sort of, I mean, it had three themes protecting our progress coming through COVID. And I think Ontario is, to this point, has done pretty well through through very challenging times at COVID uh, compared to lots of other provinces, et cetera. Uh, so it's about protecting our progress, about uh, building Ontario. So a lot of infrastructure projects going on around Perry Sound, Muskoka and around the, the province, and then about working for workers as well. Um, I think with the fall economic statement, one of the things I was happy to see is that the projections for deficits for the province have come down significantly. And I'm a little concerned that in the general public, there doesn't seem to be any concern about how much money governments spend or whether they run huge deficits or not. Um, I wish there was more. I wish it was more of a ballot item and that people were more concerned about that because I think that's I think that's really important. So in, in the fall economic statement, the projection for this year, which was supposed to be a $33 billion deficit, which is a huge deficit, has been brought down to uh, the proje projection is now $21.5 billion. And the same with the next two years after that, that the numbers have come down significantly. So hopefully uh, we're setting the stage for economic growth. The, the finance minister has said that we're not we're going to get back to balance, not by cutting spending at, or raising taxes, but by growing the economy. And so they're trying to set the stage through this infra infrastructure spending and on things like uh, broadband access across the province and bridges and roads and transit, et cetera, to uh, create the conditions so the private sector can do very well and make money and pay taxes to the government. All right. So let's talk about, uh, uh, I guess, two really big issues that are still out there. Right now, 
I think almost everywhere in, in Ontario has employers looking for employees. There's a huge um, labor shortage out there. How does the government plan to tackle that problem? Yeah, you. When I was, I did an interview earlier today, and I was asked about the two, one couple of the most challenging issues, and I said housing and businesses looking for people. Mm-hmm. And so there's in, in the fall economic statement, there's a huge emphasis on skills and upskilling, specifically in healthcare. Where I think it's thirteen thousand nurses are either new nurses or upskilling from personal support worker to registered practical nurse or registered practical nurse to, R, to our end to provide the, the uh, infrastructure or the, the workers for the health system. But it's also, there's a whole bunch of programs under Monty McNaughton to to try to get people the skills they need to get jobs that are, I mean, there are jobs everywhere right now. And and that- There's a lot of entry level jobs oh. that are, are not uh, being um, filled at all. Um, I just uh, was talking to somebody who owns a chain of restaurants in town, and he says it's like the worst it's ever been as far as you know scarcity of workers. And so what do you do to get people to want to take jobs? That That's a good question. And I mean, I, the government, I think through COVID was, I mean, you want to provide support for people, but I think they maybe overdid it a bit with things like CERB when businesses were crying out for people and CERB was still in existence till mid-October, as which was a disincentive for people to actually, you know, want to work. So I think that that didn't help things, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's the only answer. I think the governments, you know, especially through training and, and making opportunities for developing skills is what uh, what we need to do. Uh, we also need to have immigration in the province of Ontario to bring people in that, that uh, are needed to fill those jobs. Yes, and I know that the government has relaxed the rules on that as far as, you know, um, basically not requiring, um, I'm going to say, work experience in the province to do something they're certified to do where they came from. Yes, yeah, so of course, it's mainly federal, but the province is trying to make it for most uh, sectors where if you're uh, uh, certified in some way in another country that that certification would apply in Ontario. Right. So, you know, I, I had a, we had a case in the constituency office where Belvedere Heights and Perry Sound had a, uh, a worker there from India who was qualified in India but had to do training, would have had to go back to India to do training there to maintain her job at Belvedere Heights long-term care home in Perry Sound. And the administration of uh, Belvedere Heights said, this employee is great, doing a fantastic job, and we're writing to the MPP, can we get that uh, an exemption so she doesn't have to do this trip back to India to, to be able to work for us? So we're trying to streamline those rules so that people that do have qualifications can more easily work in, in the province of Ontario. And there is a provincial nominee program as, as well, but most immigration is federal, but there are negotiations with the federal government to try to get people here that we need. And we right. need just about everyone these days. One of the other things that's really inhibiting, you know, having people is they need a place that they can afford to live at. Mm-hmm. And uh, affordable housing is a huge problem throughout the country. But uh, definitely we're feeling impacts here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that all levels of government are saying, you know, like we're investing in affordable housing and, and that. But there's no quick fix. No, it doesn't happen overnight. So the government is trying to re- reduce all the restrictions and make it easier to uh, to build housing and basically increase supply. 
um, through a whole bunch of measures, including minister, ministerial zoning orders to speed up the process. You know, in Seguin Township, for example, on the Perry Sound side of the riding, they have big plans for the south end of Perry Sound to develop a community that could hold up to 5,000 people. But they say it would take them five years to do it. So they approached me to see how the how the, what the process is involved to get a ministerial zoning order to speed that process up because they desperately need houses sooner. Um, you know, locally, I'm really happy to see that in Gravenhurst, there's the biggest purpose-built rental housing uh, apartments being built right now. You know, there'll be as much as a third of the entire stock of rental housing for the town of Gravenhurst. That's that's really encouraging to see. I think it's like 280 units. Yes. Um, so that's that's very encouraging to see. But it does take time for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, um, we've got uh, Fairvern being redeveloped. Um, and uh, it seems to have moved from one location to another. Uh, do you have any idea when actually shovels will be in the ground there? Well, I hope as soon as possible. I'm, I'm pleased that I believe that the current design is 160 beds, so it was increased from what was previously approved, and I did lobby for that. That makes it much more economic and obviously more more places for uh, for the demand that we have in the area. Uh, in terms of the specific negotiations with with regard to location, I've really had nothing to do with that, that part of it, though. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, Melody, let's get back to you. Um, you are with the OLIP program, which is Ontario... Legislative Intern Program. Legislative Intern Program. And you've been working with uh, Norm. What's the biggest surprise that you've had, you know, actually working with an MP or an MPP? Sorry, Norm. That's a really good question, actually. Yeah. Kind of catches me off guard. Um, I think the biggest surprise is that truly every day is different. They they tell you going into it that every day is going to be unlike the one before, but that is very true. Um, I'm predominantly working out of Queen's Park, um, so I'm just up visiting the riding this week, which has been really great. But for the most part, every every day as I get into the office, it's something different that I'm working on, which has really given me a great, well-rounded experience learning. And if I can interrupt, she's been very helpful on the private members bill that I'm working on from pretty much the day she started. Why don't you talk about that? Melody? <laughs> yeah. So maybe 15 or 20 minutes into my very first day placed in the office, um, I was given the task to start some of the preliminary research on um, an upcoming bill that Norm has going on. Um, do you want to talk about sure, that? Go ahead. Okay, go ahead. sure. So the bill aims to try to make it law so that anyone 14 and under has to wear a life jacket on a boat that's uh, nine meters or less. So I've been, I started right from the ground researching some of the other laws that have been created in the States and Canada, around the world, um, helping to set up some fo- focus groups with stakeholders and talk to individuals around the community about that, um, trying to get that off the ground. And one of the interesting things about the research was the United States, which I was not unaware of their laws, uh, pretty much every state, it is the law for for youth to have to wear a life jacket, including, was it New Hampshire, whose motto is live free or die, and doesn't require helmets on motorcycles and doesn't require seatbelts in cars, but they do require kids to wear life jackets 
in in a boat. So that was uh, surprising to me and encouraging. But Melody's been doing a lot of the legwork on that uh, that private members bill, which is early in the process and may or may not make it through the whole process. But we're, we're we've been she's been very much engaged in that. So how long does it take to to you know have a bill that is presented as a private members bill? Uh, from the day that you say, hey, well, we should it, have a law about In this. our case, we don't have a lot of time, which is, I think, a good thing. It sort of forces a, forces <laughs> you have to be pretty active and not... Uh, so I have a date, December 8th or 9th, to actually debate the bill. So we're hoping to have it to the stage where it so can be debated. So when did you start that then? Well, about a month ago, I guess, right? Yeah, I believe my first day in the office was October 5th, uh-huh. maybe. So it's been... So that's, that's a, a lot faster than I thought it would be. Yes, and I think that's a good thing that I say it forces us to have to do things quickly. But so yeah, we've been meeting with stakeholders and getting input from different organizations and people involved. And uh, but you would think that that would be a bit of a slam dunk as far as a private members' bill goes. I think so, but not necessarily. You know, <laughs> I, I can say we've had lots of support, but not completely support. So we'll see how the process goes forward i hope i'm hopeful that it will uh, will make it to debate on december 8th or 9th all right so uh last thing of course um you're here till election day which is uh, sometime in june next year yeah i think I, as far as i understand i know if i was running in the election the day the writ is dropped i'm no longer the mpp so i think that is the case with a retiring mpp so i think that's about the first week of may is when i'm Technically, no longer the MPP, as far as I know. Oh, all right. Yeah. So until then, though, mm-hmm. um, you're still available to constituents for any kind of help that they might request. Absolutely, and we're busy. We'll be busy working away mm-hmm. on on this private members bill and other issues. Right. But sure. what happens after you uh, say uh, are no longer an MPP? Does your office still function until there's a replacement MPP? That is, so through the election, it usually in an election period, there's like perhaps one constituency staff handling things, and there's a lot they can't do because of ministries are more or less shut mm-hmm. down for the election period. So I would assume that would be the case as long as we have a staff member that can do that and wants to do that, that one of our constituency staff would be in one of the offices fielding calls and trying to at least direct people in the right direction. If that wasn't the case, then it would probably the calls would go right to Queen's Park and and they would be addressed there. All right. Now let's talk about um, the person that uh, is hoping to replace you as MPP. It was quite quick uh, that the announcement followed uh, exactly the day after you announced that you wouldn't be running again, that uh, Mayor Graydon Smith from Bracebridge uh, is, has been nominated. And how did that happen? Because I don't, I'm not aware that there was a nomination meeting. Sure, good, good point. You know, I think to be fair, I probably let Graydon know that I likely wasn't going to run in this election. I would say maybe three and a half years ago, Mm because he had expressed some interest. I I don't recall how, but I sort of got the impression that he was interested in my job. So. I had let him know probably then that I likely wasn't going to run in the next election. I wasn't sure, but, you know, I just thought that was likely a possibility just so he could be prepared. 
Um, having said that, um, you know, I actually prefer a nomination meeting. He he was appointed by the premier and the premier can point up to 10 people in 10 ridings, I believe is what our, the party constitution allows. Okay. But generally speaking, I prefer a nomination meeting. So does the riding association, just because from their selfish perspective of the riding association, it generates excitement. Uh, it generates membership. So for example, when I ran back in 2001, there were four people ran for the position. Um, and there were, Riding Association had 2,200 members at that point. That was the high point. It's gone down since then. But so, you know, more members is better and you get more, more volunteers out of it and you may get some fundraising as well. So, so I can, you're, you're saying Graydon was appointed by the uh, Premier? That's correct. So I, I, I would say what that means is the Premier's had lots of dealings with them. Uh, Graydon's done a great job as Mayor of Bracebridge. I think the Premier became quite familiar with them through the flooding, et cetera. And, yes and has had enough dealings with them. Graydon's president of AMO right now, which is kind of the highest municipal position you can get in the province. And so I think, uh, you know, I, I think the premier decided he was somebody he'd like on his team. So that's why he exercised his his prerogative to appoint him. Um, you know, and that's probably a good thing for the writing, assuming that Graydon is successful, that he's, uh, you know, he's well thought of by the premier. Perfect. All right. Well, I just wanted to say on behalf of all of your constituents, thank you very much for your years of service. Thank um, you. Certainly, it was a shock to a lot of us when you made the announcement, and we sort of had no idea. I think that uh, you know you decided uh, you know to pursue uh, you know more personal things, and well, we congratulate you on that. But uh, yeah, it'd be uh, kind of uh, sad to see you go. So thanks for that. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jeff. And that is the Writing Report. I'm Jeff Carter. 